Chapter 88, Breakdown. We are safe inside until we aren't, because a group of kids who aren't even students here break into school, scuffle with Mrs. Britton, push her hard against the wall, yelling, let's get one of them. But they don't get anyone. A white student runs them off. They disappear. And then, before lunch, Principal Britton shuts the school down. Primary source, quote, we are going to close the school today, close it tomorrow, and close it until it is safe for children to attend. Principal David J. Britton, Statement to the Public and Press. Chapter 89, Notes to Myself in the Squad Car. Was there no warning this morning that thugs would maul Reverend Paul? Could police have prevented this demented assault on a pastor, avoided disaster, gotten there faster? You put me in this car to keep me secure? Thanks, but I'm not so sure this is the cure. When bullies are allowed to roam the streets, sticks, rocks, knives, spit, sheets? These people aren't all talk. They don't just gawk. These people stalk. They drop blood. Their stream of racism is a flood. You take me home, thanks, while outlaws roam. Chapter 90, Responsible, Tuesday night, December 4th. Behind closed doors at 437 Jarnigan Street, Mom and I cry, which makes Mamie cry, which makes Herbie confused, and it all makes my father mad. We are horrified. If people will beat up a man of God, what won't they do? We are fearful. If boys will set upon the home ec teacher, who won't they strike? We are. Aren't we? Responsible? If we had not set foot in Clinton High School, Reverend Turner wouldn't have called my mother, wouldn't have been walked, wouldn't have walked us down the hill today, wouldn't have become the target of rage, would be home peacefully tonight, working, I imagine, on his next Sunday sermon. And it all makes my father mourn, these people, our town. And yes, it makes him mad. Responsible? Don't look in this house. Don't look on this hill. Chapter 91, Reverend Turner. A broken nose, a swollen face. He lives. There is grace. Chapter 92, The Good Samaritan. We don't know her name, but like the unnamed traveler in the Gospel of Luke, who stopped to help the half-dead man on the winding road to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, she did right. Love your neighbor as yourself is the teaching. The Good Samaritan learned it, lived it, and we hear she is fine. Chapter 93, Some Kind of Victory. We made that walk down the hill to claim the school for all of us. We walked again and again and again and again. Did we win? We walked to open doors. Or did we lose? Now those doors are shut. I'll call it a bitter victory, because if we can't be in school, then school will be for none of us. Chapter 94, Next Time. Gail stayed home sick, or sick, because her mother wouldn't let her come to school. So she missed it all, and I have things to tell her that come out a jumble of shuddering, shocking panic. Behind those cat-eye glasses, there's that anger of hers, which would have served her well if she'd been there, because anger pushes away shuddering, shocking, panic. In her dark eyes, 
there's that doggoneness of hers, which comes from her aunt Maddie Bell, which she says may which says she may have been sick this time, but next time she'll be healthy and stubborn and standing tall. Because if there's going to be a Clinton High School for anyone, it will be for her. Chapter 95, Better Late Than Never, Wednesday, December 5th. Judge Taylor, who ordered the desegregation of Clinton High School exactly 11 months ago, has had enough. He's sending out federal marshals, and they're armed with arrest warrants. Those who turned yesterday into a knockdown, dragout brawl, the thugs, men and women who attacked Reverend Turner, and the teenage boys who broke into school and roughed up Miss, Mrs. Britton, they are all to be arrested. 16 warrants, 16 names. Bring them to jail, the judge says. Then to me, to be charged with this crime. Oh, sorry, sorry. I read that wrong. That sounded bad. I'm sorry, guys. Bring them to jail, the judge says. Then to me, to be charged with this crime. Contempt of a court order. Contempt has been floating around Clinton. A noxious air, inhaled and exhaled, willfully, reluctantly, obliviously, take your pick, by the white people of this town and strangling us. Finally, consequences. Chapter 96, One Voice. The student council did it right away, right after the school closed down. Next, the faculty council, mayor, newspaper editor, and other white leaders followed. They've written statements, presented them to the school board, all with the same requests. Reopen Clinton High, desegregate Clinton High, Keep Principal Britton in charge of Clinton High. Protect the students of Clinton High, all of them. They want to try again. They want one school. And here's a, another primary source quote. I thought I didn't want the Negroes. Now I don't know. I, won't wa- I wouldn't want to be like those people out there. Unnamed white male student at Clinton High School to Mrs. Margaret Anderson. Chapter 97. A real victory, Thursday, December 6th. The day before yesterday, the same day we went down the hill with Reverend Turner and all that happened, happened, there was also an election. Not an election for president, that was in November, Ike won again, but for local officials like the mayor and the city aldermen. The results are in and I don't know if people voted after hearing what happened at school. I don't know if people felt things have gone too far. I don't know if A led to B. But every single white supremacist, segregationist candidate lost. Before all this, before all that happened, happened, I thought there was nothing I could do about segregation. I'm just a girl, I thought. One girl who tries to look at the good side of things, but there's nothing I can do about the bad. I'm still that good side looking girl, but now when I see the bad, I think I'll know there's something I can do about it. And a primary source quote, the tremendous defeat of the White Citizens Council's effort to elect candidates in Tuesday's municipal election should end the political activity of that group and in addition should give notice to the law enforcement groups how the people of Clinton feel about maintaining law and order. And that's from an editorial in the Clinton Courier News written by editor Horace V. Wells, Jr., December 6, 1956. Sorry about the phone ringing there. Chapter 98, Their Decision, 
Friday, December 7th. The school board says our school will reopen on Monday, December 10th, three days from today, barring any outbreak of violence over the weekend. And that last part of the um, sentence was in quotes. Chapter 99, Outbreak. There's been a different sort of outbreak here in my own house, an outbreak of pessimism about what's possible here in Clinton. Not by me, I'm an optimist, but by my father, who's supposed to be an optimist. These people, he says, are just misled, which I know is so much kinder than what he could say. But that's my pops. These people are just misled. Well, they've always been misled. So what's new? What's new is he's had enough. Like us black students who had enough in November and stayed home. Like Judge Taylor, who had enough this week and wrote out 16 arrest warrants. Like the people of Clinton, who've had enough and voted down the white supremacists. But my dad can't stay home. He can't arrest anyone. He voted, but he doesn't want to sit outside in the dark with his hunting rifle, waiting for whoever might come in the dark, these people. He doesn't want to have to drive north to find decent work, these people. He's not one to be beaten down, so now he will rise up, which means the whole family must rise up with him. Chapter 100, Our Decision. We want to continue in Clinton High, I told the newspapers. That's where we belong. We want. We belong. I want. To belong. It's our school. I will finish what I started. Joanne is stubborn. Joanne is an optimist. Joanne is not in charge. My parents have made the decision. We are leaving Clinton. We are moving to California, to Los Angeles, California. My mother wants to stop worrying every morning when I go to school. My father wants to work in a good job. My parents want their children to have better chances than they think we will have in Clinton or in Tennessee or in all of the South. I want to finish what I started. I want to stick it out with my friends. I want to make Clinton High School my school. I want, I belong, it's our school. But I'm not going to get to finish what I started. Chapter 101. Pop says there's always a bright side. On the other hand, palm trees, sunshine, Hollywood, it's California. Chapter 102. CS Now. J. Robert Oppenheimer, Prime Minister Nehru of India, polio, the sock vaccine, elections in Great Britain, cigarettes and cancer, the United Nations, Louis Armstrong, Grandma Moses, Egypt and Israel, Africa, the Suez Canal, Cho and Lai, are some of the important topics covered by the most respected journalist in television news. Edward R. Murrow, on his respected television show, See It Now. And next, us. Reporters and cameras from See It Now are all over Clinton to bring our story to everyone, everywhere. Dad and I are interviewed right on our porch. That'll be our nice house people see on television. My father talks about how we are leaving without hatred in our hearts. I talk about how it felt to face so much hatred. The country, the whole country will see our faces and hear our voices, and I'm proud of that. The whole country will see Joanne Allen walking away, and that is a television show I would rather switch off.
and two primary source quotes. They put signs on our lockers and told us to get out. And they threw paper at us, and they shoved us in the halls, and they threw chalk at us, and said all sorts of nasty things. And it just made me feel bad, and I couldn't concentrate on all of my lessons. Joanne Allen interviewed on See It Now. And then a quote from her father on the same TV show. We're not leaving here with hatred in our hearts because we realize that those people are just misled. Chapter 103, Packing Up. I'm packing up the clothes that my grandmother made. I'm packing up the memories. I know they won't fade. I'm packing up the pictures of our Easter parade. I'm packing up my faith in the prayers we prayers we prayed. I'm packing up my laughter at the games we played. I'm packing up respect for the choices we've weighed. I'm packing up my pride in the progress we've made. I'm packing satisfaction in foundations we laid. I'm packing up my doubts. What would happen if I had stayed? Do my friends feel betrayed? I'm packing up my courage. I will not be afraid. Chapter 104. Word Choices, Sunday, December 9th. Reverend Turner, nose broken and swollen, eye still black, is preaching to his congregation. Here in Clinton, we are not especially against integration, he says. We are not especially against segregation, but we are positively and definitely against the disintegration of our community and our body politic. Amen to that, I say, although I'm not there. Negroes don't go to First Baptist. I don't think we'd be welcome there, Reverend Turner or no Reverend Turner. And if we went, I'm sure we couldn't walk in the front door. But Reverend Turner's sermon is on everyone's lip. I like that he said, we are not especially against integration. I wish he didn't say, we are not especially against segregation. We are not especially against segregation. That makes him sound like all the other white people who would prefer we never went to Clinton High School, who are only holding their noses when we walk down the hill and through the front door because there's a court order. They want to be law-abiding people. But maybe he felt he had to say what he said, the way he said it, in front of the television cameras and the hundreds of people crowded into his church, some of whom felt sorry for him, some proud, some angry, but most all of them positively not in favor of integration. I like better what he said to reporters who came to his house the night after he was beaten. I accompanied the Negro students to school to try to let my presence be testimony that as long as the law is what it is, and as long as they have a desire to go to school, it is their moral right to come unheckled and unhindered. It is our moral right, unheckled and unhindered, to go to school the same as any other kids, no matter their skin color, here in Clinton, Tennessee, there in Los Angeles, California. Chapter 105, Leaving Behind. Most furniture, most everything, really. There isn't room in the car and shipping is, it, shipping is expensive. White and colored water fountains, the buzzards roost, libraries that aren't for me, restaurants that aren't for me. The hill, the sycamore tree, honeysuckle, our nice house, Mount Sinai, the life I've always known, and except for these past months, liked just fine. Grandmother Minnie. Aunt Mamie Lou, my cousins, Gail Ann, Hart.
ache. Chapter 106, Goodbyes. Even as I'm saying them, these goodbyes are a blur. You'd think I'd want to fix them in my mind, but maybe I would rather not. These goodbyes are a blur. Neighbors and church friends to hug, but maybe I would rather not. And promises to make. Neighbors and church friends to hug. Maybe, maybe not. We will write. And promises to make. Maybe, maybe not. We will break. Maybe, maybe not. We will write. Not so for Gail and me. Maybe, maybe not. We will break. Not true for Gail and me. Not so for Gail and me. The possibility of breaking bonds. Not true for Gail and me. The possibility of losing touch. The possibility of breaking bonds. It would break me. The possibility of losing touch. That would leave me lost. It would break me. And so the blur protects and words that would leave me lost, leave my mind, even as I'm saying them. Chapter 107, Down the Hill, Monday, December 10th. My father steers the Buick down the hill, the final time we drive or walk this way. The streets are quiet and the air is still. We've said goodbyes and now we won't delay. This morning, soon, my friends will yet again approach the school we work to make our own. There won't be 12 of them. There won't be 10. Just eight. I'm not the only one who's gone. Here's Mamie by my side and Herbie too, excited for the life that lies ahead. I want to be excited, truly do, but first must shed this feeling that I've fled. Abandoning the cause that I embraced, retreating from a stand I know is right, the risks I took, the dangers that I faced, what purpose served if I don't stay to fight? What happened to my father's stubborn streak? What happened to you're as good as anyone? Unchanged, he says, but here's the future's bleak, when progress made becomes so, becomes so soon undone. What happened to my mother, straight and bold? The one who speaks her mind, who doesn't wilt. Those mobs, she says, so vile and uncontrolled, have threatened to destroy the life we've built. I know. I know the fear my mother felt to send me off to school into the fray, to see me play the hand that we were dealt, grim games with rules that change from day to day. I felt it too, the dread, the hurt, the fear of walking down our hill to face the crowd, but also felt the thrill, the pride, the cheer of showing all that we would not be cowed. Our town, our school, our lives are changed for good. We crossed a line, we twelve, and reached a goal. Knocked down, pushed back, abused, yet still we stood as proof that joined together we are whole. And as the miles move beneath the wheels, I smile. The optimist inside me heals. Chapter 108, For the Record. And this whole um, chapter is um, a primary source from Joanne's father. We're leaving for California today because I want my kids to have a better break than I did. I don't believe there will be an opportunity for my children in Tennessee because no matter how much education they get here, there's no place for them to use it. I guess you'd call me stubborn for letting the school situation keep me in Clinton this long, but now that integration seems assured, I want to go where my children will have a chance. You see, I had a chance for a job in California last summer, but we didn't go. Joanne and I are both stubborn, and we thought we'd just tough it out. Someday, a long time in the future, she's going to be a doctor, a pediatrician. 
I think everything will be all right in Clinton now that the FBI has stepped in, but you never know. Sometimes you have a big fire and rain comes along and puts it out and you hope it's all over. But then when it's dry, a little smoke comes out and then a little more smoke. And finally a wind comes along and whoosh, up goes the blaze again. Well, this is the rainy time, but there's still a little smoke around. In fact, a lot of white people have been mighty sympathetic with our, with our cause, but I can't take it anymore. We're going to California. And again, that's um, Joanne's father. And it says uh, in an article, here's why Joanne Allen didn't go to Clinton High this morning in the Chicago Defender, December 10th, 1956. And uh, a couple more primary source uh, statements there. The kids could work things out for themselves. If grown-ups would teach them love instead of hate, we'd get along just wonderfully. And that was a quote from Joanne Allen, interviewed after arriving in California in the Los Angeles Sentinel, December 20th, 1956. And lastly, after all that, after going to all Negro schools for 10 years and a practically all Caucasian school for four months, Dorsey High is new and different. Going to a school in an atmosphere of friendliness toward all is a wonderful experience. And that was a quote from Joanne Allen on how she likes her new high school in Los Angeles. In the, um, and that was printed in the Los Angeles Sentinel, March 28, 1957. And that's the end of that part of the book. But I will um, be back for the next couple of days this week with um, more. There's an epilogue and uh, lots of other information in the book, including a whole bunch of pictures, which I'll see if there's a way we can share those. All right. That's it for today.